Matt Stepp, it's been more than six weeks since we have recorded an episode of Tep and Step. Do you think we remember how to do this? Let's find out. Tep and Step, your premium Texas high school football podcast from your friends at Dave Campbell's Texas Football and TexasFootball.com. I am the Tep Greg Tepper. And I am the Step, Matt Step. Thank you for being a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider and joining us in this, the deepest, darkest crevices of the offseason. This is the dr- dude. Yeah, this is the dredges. Yeah. This this dude, this there there is these are the doldrums, man. This is the this is the worst yeah. part of the vote. Because I was I'll tell you, I was doing um for TFT on Monday. You know, Monday we normally do headlines, then we have a guest. And I was trying to put together headlines, and bro, <laughs> was, there ain't much going on was, right now. It's spring break I mean, time. I mean, that's there's not yeah. a lot of coaching changes. It's it's a it's a quiet two weeks um, around yeah. the state because not a lot of stuff happens when people are on spring break. Now, luckily for we do have things to keep us occupied, like March Madness, fill out your bracket, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. You know, keeps us going a little bit. But these these two weeks are tough. It's not a lot going on. Uh, it's, I would say about 75% of the state is on spring break this week. The last other, other quarter was on spring break last week. So yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a, it'll pick back up next week. The coaching carousel will, will get rolling again next week and we'll have some things I'm sure to talk about on our Monday, our neck, our April podcast for sure. Yeah. Our April and podcast seven, seven but, gets going. We got we got uh, our first SQTs yeah. will be at the end of April. So once we get to like, for me, for me personally, the the first SQT kind of the end of April, early May, kind of will, will get you, get you to that hump. And then we're starting to kind of you know when you, you get into May, you're, we're kind of putting the finishing touches on the magazine, that kind of thing. So yeah. really, for me, it's personally it's a lot of magazine previews. It's it's just a, a, a lot of grunt work right now, which we we. You know, it's it's got to be done, and we're doing it. But it's it's the we are. I think the deepest, darkest crevices of the off season is a good way to put last week and this week. It's brutal. It's brutal, and there, there's just not a whole mm-hmm. lot of going on in the football world. Like even like if you lump in like college, which of course we cover at TexasFootball.com, it's like there's just not like spring ball is barely underway. Like there's nothing mm-hmm. like interesting going on. Uh, okay, I'll and put you me, on the spot. Are you are you? Do you really? I mean, call. I mean. I don't. I mean, being personally, when it comes to the high schools, I don't really pay that much attention to spring ball. Like, I know it's going nope. on, and I'm kind of like, oh, okay. I, I just don't pay attention. I, I don't get anything out of it. Like, I can't really figure out. You know, at, now at the college level, like like Craven, I guess like if like UT, you know, Texas has a high profile quarterback battle or something. I guess those things can kind of get figured out. But you know, it, I, I don't know for if you me, can really evaluate a team in spring ball yeah the only thing i'm keeping an eye on in spring ball especially in the college level is injuries like and, and i don't even yeah. mean like you know i don't even mean like bumps and bruises. i mean like is there an injury that's going to keep you out of games in the fall mm-hmm. which is just mm-hmm. like you know those are super rare there may be one god forbid there there may be one but like there's just there's not a whole lot to, to talk about which is what we're here to no. do to talk about football i will I, gonna, I will however I'm, yeah i'm gonna put you on the spot though you have right. uh, do you know how many capsules you've written so far so last week I had 61. Mm-hmm. Uh, this week I had 83, 84, yeah. excuse me, 84. Um, and so 
but I've not gotten through all 84 yet. I believe as of right now, I have gotten through Man, this is 13. This is, this is riveting. I know, uh, 30, 33 of my 84 previews. I've well, and you've so got far. right now you're scheduled to have about 36 in their next bunch. Although we're, it's only Tuesday when we're recording this. Uh, so, you know, it, it's, this is the uh, spring break as well. You know, yeah. I try to get to coaches before spring break. And so this might be a bit of a slow week in any case. Do you have th- a favorite 36, preview? There? 36 is a pretty busy week for the spring break week though. For that's, spring that's, break. That's, yeah. Yeah. Like that's pretty, that's pretty good considering it's only Tuesday. And, and I would, in, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, and that's all, those are only for you. Um, so, do you do you have a favorite preview you've written so far? No, I'll just I'm looking at the El Paso Americas preview right now. Um, oh. That's the last one that I, I wrote, and uh, I think the Trailblazers are going to be a lot better this year. Bringing back eight and seven, a uh, lot of sophomores and juniors played last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, yeah, look for El Paso Americas to. Uh, be much improved and possibly challenged for the one six A title next year. There you go. There are the kind of yeah. insights you tune into Tep and Step. Yeah, exactly. Um, this is your March off season edition of Tep and Step. We do thank you for being a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. Uh, coming up at the back half of the program, I got this strange letter that I'm going to open up on the air, and we're just going to read what oh, it says. Oh yeah. it's, it's, it's actually it's actually it's weird. It's post dated. It's it's the kind of thing it's. It's actually postdated a year in the future. That's, okay, that's weird. Okay. Anyway, we'll open that up oh, and, that out, and read yeah. that live on the air. But uh, we'll start as we all, and we'll get to some coaching changes here in a moment. But we'll start as we always do, Matthew, with your Texas high school football fun fact of the week. Matt Stepp, uh, Todd Dodge, in his very last game, joined an elite fraternity of coaches who have won 70 playoff games. There are only six coaches, including Coach Dodge, who have won 70 UIL 11-man playoff games. Matt Stepp, who are the other five? (sighs) Phil Danaher. That's the easy one. That's a layup. Yeah. Next Um, one is two. G.A. Moore? No, believe it or not. G.A. Moore's only won 65. Wow. Okay. Uh, Gordon Wood? No, sir. Gordon Wood is not on the list. No. Wow, it's tougher with I, those old older coaches because the playoffs were shorter back then. So that's and only exactly one, right. And only one team got in. So two, yeah, so. Coach Wood. Coach Wood has you know three hundred ninety four wins, but a lot of those are just in the regular season. And then like he just didn't you know didn't 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 play enough playoff games. He would yeah, have won but, enough. But yeah, I think a few years Brownwood was in like a sixteen team playoff bracket. So they only yeah. had like three playoff, four playoff games total. Mm-hmm. Uh, <sighs> I don't think Surratt's there yet because he's just doesn't have the longevity, does he? Surratt's at sixty-five. Yeah, okay. you're you're missing one very obvious one. I'll, I'll, if you would like a hint, uh, yeah. Todd Dodge uh, is now the only inactive coach on this list. Oh wow! Seventy playoff wins. Uh, is it Denny Faith? Denny Faith is right outside. He's next man up. He's at sixty-six. Man, who am I missing that's obvious? Dude, Gary you're Joseph? missing Gary Joseph. Gary, Gary Joseph is at 72. Okay, Gary Joseph. So Todd uh, Dodge, Gary Joseph, Phil Danaher. Jason Herring? More. Jason Herring is exactly at 70. Okay. Two more. Uh, well, now we're getting tough. It's guys who have been around for a long time and have won a lot. Huh. 
Man, you're gonna feel you're gonna feel very dumb on one of them. Oh, Randy Allen. Randy Allen. There you go. You yeah. have to have that one. Eighty-two. He's second yeah. all time behind Phil Danaher. And there's one more that you're missing who also is uh, has the same number of state championships as Todd Dodge. Uh, Tim Buchanan. Tim Buchanan. There you go. There's Dang your it. list. Uh, Phil Danher at 93, Randy Allen at 82, Tim Buchanan at 75, third all-time. Gary Joseph at 72, Todd Dodge at 70, and Jason Herring at 70. As I mentioned, Denny Faith will be next up, 66. But Scott Surratt's at 65, Reggie Samples at 60, Todd Rogers at 55. The only reason I brought this up was that I I was writing – I guess I can just reveal this. Um, John Kay is our 6A Coach of the Year uh, mm-hmm. in the magazine, and I was writing that up. And I think I put this in the Slack. He is th- something like 36 and four in the playoffs. It is do, insane. Do we talk enough about John Kay? No. Because he's a very unassuming guy. Like he's, uh, he's a great coach, obviously, but mm-hmm. when he doesn't, he, he's not real boisterous or out there. He's just kind of, he kind of, he, he's very much reflects North Shore, where they're always mm-hmm. kind of, we just forget about them because they're so good, but they're not real flashy. They don't score seventy points. They're kind of gritty, kind of east. They, they, if, if there's a football team that re- reflects their community more than North Shore, I'd love to see it. But it's just everything just kind of aligns. And Coach K, I don't think gets the credit mm-hmm. that he deserves. For, I mean, I mean, what a masterful job he did this year, winning a state. He won a six A Division One state championship with a freshman quarterback. I know. And I not know. just one game. He that freshman quarterback played all year. Unbelievable. It, it, it's insane. Well, and you and I, like, I'll, I'll just you know, we mentioned that he's our six eight coach of the year, and like we were talking about it, and you kind of brought up like we were kind of kicking around because there are obviously a number of other coaches who had fantastic years, um, mm. and and you said this is John K's best coaching job, which is saying yeah. something because that twenty fifteen title was like mm-hmm. you want to talk about you know bubble held together with bubble gum and and you know and and, and duct tape like things like that like the 20 in a lot of ways like the 2018 and 2019 titles like those teams were like oh he he has super teams you know what i mean like he he obviously he's a great coach and he did the did did right you know was a pretty darn good coach those years but like he had the super team 2015 and 2021 those were not super teams no and honestly if they don't play a really bad first half against Austin Westlake in the state semifinals last year. Mm-hmm. They probably win four state championships in a row at the state's largest classification. Yeah. And, you know, and by the way, we're talking about that Westlake defense, like one of the greatest of all time anyway. Mm-hmm. But all that's to say, John K is pretty good. And so are all of those team coaches who have 70 uh, playoff wins. So there you go. All right, Matthew. Um, I don't even know where to start because like we haven't had, like we haven't really had a proper, like we had one proper tep and step in the off season in, no, we took January off. Um, no, did we, we did January. One? Yeah. We no, did one in January, right. right, right when I got out of the hospital. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. We did one and in fe- January. And in February was really realignment. We did it was a realignment. We did, a realignment. Our we did two reaction. Yeah. We, we, did we do a, a realignment preview or we just did a post? I think we did a realignment game. preview. Um, yeah. But we haven't – I mean we haven't talked in like six weeks about stuff. So uh, mm-hmm. what's, what's what's new? Has, has anything happened in the last like six weeks? There's been a few um, coaching changes, yeah. A few right. state championship head coaches have moved. So so th- I guess we'll start there. And we had – well, you know, I, I don't know if we necessarily 
uh, talked a- enough about some of these ones. So we're just I'm just going to come bounce through the ones that that, that that caught my eye that we definitely have not had a chance to talk on this podcast about. Let's start for, a, for, for one thing about uh, Fort Bend Willow Ridge. Let's start there because um, mm. I, 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 this is remarkable. And maybe we're not talking enough about it, but we had a head coach in Texas high school football who left to go to the NFL in Ramon Chinyon. Yeah. Yeah, he went. Uh, apparently, there's a big Spring Westfield connection on that Broncos staff. I think the offensive coordinator uh, is mm-hmm. a Westfield. There, there's a West. There's a Westfield tie-in somewhere. I think there's one or two Westfield guys on there, and so then they bring in Coach Chinyon, and they also brought in another Houston guy from the University of Buffalo, uh, DeAndre Thompson, who was a DB's coach at U- University of Buffalo. He's also on the staff of the Denver Broncos now. So H H Town has kind of taken over the uh, coaching coaching office there uh, for the Broncos. So uh, and they'll get to coach Russell Wilson. That sounds fun. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's a really cool. I mean, uh, obviously it's, you know, it's a, it's an analyst role. We're not, you know, coach yeah. Chin Young is not going to be the offensive coordinator for the different, I mean, but he, it's, it's an entry Yet. level role, but it's still an entry level role in the NFL. So yeah. it's really, it's, it's, it's a it's rare cool. thing when I tweet, I, I had like the Denver Broncos fan site in Brazil retweet me. About that coaching change, which was a little weird, but you know, hey, awesome. I'll take the pub- I'll take the publicity on that one. Yeah, sure, why not? Um, get, get the so, we'll get the brand kind of some international exposure there, Tepper. I think Adam and Rudy will like that. What do you think? Yeah. Um, so let's talk. Um, let's let's talk coaches' kids uh, because there there were a couple of them. First of all, we we got to talk about one coach's kid in in Riley Dodge, South Lake Carroll. Who I mean, you want to talk about hemorrhaging staff. I mean, what's what's wrong at South Lake Carroll? Uh, that's yeah, a, a that, joke. that's our new expose but, now. Is, is what's <laughs> turmoil what's on the South, South Lake Carroll? Yeah, turmoil on the Carroll staff. Coaches uh, leaving left we, and right. We talked about Aaron Lineweaver taking over at Yale Trinity, but then another mm-hmm. one that comes down is uh, Port Nature's Groves has hired South Lake Carroll special teams coordinator Jeff Joseph as its mm-hmm. next head coach, and. Uh, I gotta be honest. Like, you could just show me the picture of Coach Joseph, and I'd be like, "Oh, I know who his dad is." Like, they yeah. are spitting images of one another. He is, of course, the son of of, of Gary Joseph. Yep, they are football coaching men, and that's just yes. what they do, and they are very good at it. And I imagine uh, Jeff Joseph will do a very good job at Port Nature's Grows because uh, the the Joseph coaching lineage is is strong. So it's it's. It's just one of those things. Gary Joseph, man, it's it's so funny. Like there are very few coaches that that I am somewhat hesitant to go talk to pregame and stuff. Mm-hmm. Gary Joseph is still one of them. I, like before the Westlake oh, game yeah. this year, I was on. I'm on the field and I'm BSing with Todd Dodge and Tony Salazar and Coach Rhodes there at Westlake. I told I told Jack Rhodes he made me feel old that he was a coach. And, you know. <laughs> Stuff like stuff like that, you know. I'm just BSing around, mm-hmm. and then I, I kind of walk over. Hello, Coach Joseph. It's I got you. Step how, how Dave you? Campbell's Texas football. You know, very, very. Uh, you know, and he just kind of looks at me. Eh, you know, and you know, shakes my hand. And the, <laughs> the only thing that makes Gary Joseph smile is like his granddaughter. When his granddaughter's around, he's like an actual like. He he smiles and he's like jovial. Other than that, he is like all business. He is football man. Um, yeah. Yes. So his his son will it will now get. Anyway, we'll talk about a big time first first head coaching job at Port Natchez Groves. That's uh that's a big, big one. That's, 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 big, that's yeah. Big expectations. You know, you're you're mm, walking right into program. it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of name program, we didn't really have a t- chance to break this down in, in any sort of depth, but um, it came right on the heels of realignment that um, Marshall, uh, of course, Jake Greedle left to go take over at Bastrop, left the job open at Marshall, uh, and they have hired a state champion head coach in Jack Alvarez, who leaves Cuero mm-hmm. to go there. Um, and then, and yeah, so let's talk about both those jobs. First of all, Jack Alvarez sure. Cuero, and then what that means for Cuero, which of course is a great job in, in and of itself. Mm-hmm. So coach Alvarez leaving Cuero, it was, this wasn't a Cuero issue. I think this was a coach Alvarez family issue where he wanted to be his parents. I think his mother lives in Arkansas. Coach Alvarez went to Henderson State. He's kind of from that Arklatex, as our buddy Gay Brooks likes to say, the Arklatex area there. Um, so Marshall puts him a lot closer to his mother. His son, uh, Brandon, is the head coach there at Garrison. So obviously being in Marshall, he kind of splits the difference between going up to Arkansas and being near Garrison where his grandchildren are. So it was it, it, he did get a little bit of a raise out of it. But I think this was primarily a family-driven move by, by Coach Alvarez. So um, I don't think there's any – Cuero's not broken. Cuero's going to be really good next year. And I'll, I'll give you a little step tease on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Cuero's got their next head coach already. He will be named, oh. I believe, I believe Thursday is their board meeting. It will be a current head coach from the Austin area at the 5A level. Ooh, now that is a step tease mm-hmm. that you can That's uh, why you, you can, pay for the premium podcast right there. You get that on the premium podcast. That's, that's exactly right. Um, okay. You, need so to, let's, you should cut that and put that on the internet. You know, this is why good. you should sign up for Tep and Step. Um, let's bounce out west to Lubbock where they made a, a couple of hires back about geez about a month ago now. Um, you want to talk about Lubbock ISD hiring like hiring coaches we really like. Like we are going to have to go out there to Lubbock, man. Of course, like DJ Mann of course is a guy that 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 we like, you know, they they lose a guy like Joe Cluley who's a, a guy that we really like uh, and all they do is they replace him uh, you know at at Estacado uh, with Will Blaylock, the offensive mm-hmm. assistant coach from Fortpen Hightower. Um, mm-hmm. They bring him in, and then the, at the same board meeting, they also hired a new coach at Monterey, which is Judd Thrash, the, the Duncanville defensive coordinator. Um, Lubbock ISD another, has made some good some good hires recently. Yeah, another uh, Duncanville assistant getting a head coaching job. It's just the it's just part of the deal when you go to Duncanville. It's like poor Reggie Samples. You know, I, I feel so bad for Reggie. He's got to find another you know find more coaches, but he's done a great job de- uh, developing those coaches and putting those coaches in positions to move up. So um, I think it's like eight and six years, eight, eight assistants mm-hmm. in six years that he's had move on to head coaching jobs. So and Lubbock's got an opening of their own at the uh, assistant athletic director because uh, assistant AD James Garfield former mm-hmm. rider and Elgin head coach is now the athletic director at um, Abilene ISD. So uh, congrats to coach Garfield there. And Lubbock's got to hire another head football coach because uh, Lubbock high is open. Cause Shane Steven uh, mm-hmm. resigned and is heading back to the Metroplex. I believe he's taking an assistant job at Colleyville heritage. So mm. in 2022 DJ man will be the, the most grizzled veteran of the Lubbock <laughs> ISD coaches as he, as he enters his second season as the a head full, coach, a full yeah. one year under his belt. Yeah, he's, um, the, he's the grizzled veteran. So, um. okay, let's talk about the one that I think probably shocked the most uh, a lot of people this this off season, and that is uh, what happened at Decatur. Uh, Decatur, mm-hmm. of course, uh, they they have their uh, they they were without a coach. Mike Fuller left. They had 
Ty, uh, well, Mike Fuller was no longer the coach. Let's put it that way. Um, assistant it was, coach. Uh, it was an ugly departure. It was not an, not a great a situation. Di- it was a divorce, is what it was. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Assistant coach Ty Lang was the interim, uh, and they went out there and made a splashy hire in bringing in state champion head coach Steve Huff from College Station. And I think there were people who were who were scratching their heads, saying, "What what's he doing? Like College Station is a plum gig." And by the way, they're going to be really good again in 2022 uh, mm-hmm. but you explained to me that you think this is a this is also has family ties to it yeah so coach huff and his wife um are from oklahoma they coached a long time in oklahoma before he came down to college station to open college station high school when it opened up back in i believe 2012 uh so so decatur obviously a lot closer to oklahoma than College Station. Um, I believe he's got family. His wife's extended family. Part, a few of them are in the Metroplex as well. So Decatur obviously puts them a lot closer there. Um, there is a connection with uh, Coach Huff and the superintendent there at Decatur ISD. They coach together in Oklahoma. I believe I believe the Decatur ISD superintendent is an ex-basketball coach. Uh, so they coach together uh, in Oklahoma. And then when he became an administrator, he was in College Station. I believe he was at one of the mm. feeder schools. I believe a middle feeder middle school from College Station to up to College Station High. So Coach Huff has worked with this superintendent. So there's some familiarity there with the administration. And Coach Huff gets to be an athletic director. You know, at College Station, mm-hmm. he was the campus coordinator, but he wasn't the athletic director. That comes with the bump and pay as well and comes with the, uh, some additional, you know, control as well. You, you you try to be your own boss as much as you can. And when you're at, at the athletic director, you pretty much only answer to the superintendent. Um as far as that goes. So it, it made some sense when you look at the the perks of the job and then the, the family dynamics that went along with it. And Coach Huff's going to do a great job at Decatur. Um, he is a, he, his, his record, I mean, he's, he's got a, a sterling record, not only in College Station, but also uh, from his time as a head coach there north of the border. So I have no doubts that Coach Huff's going to get Decatur uh, going in the right direction. And in College Station, um, is, are, are they st- – Still open or do they hire? No, they somebody? promoted from within. They promoted yeah. the OC Stony Pryor. And it's a very interesting dynamic. College Station, because College Station and Peyto both are replacing head coaches. Uh, we'll talk about BJ Godham soon at some point. But College mm-hmm. Station was from the jump very clearly we're going to promote from within. This job's not going to open up. We're promoting from within. We've had a lot of success. We want to keep it going. Peyto, on the other hand, they pretty much both coordinators are gone. They went to Pearland yeah. with coach with Coach Gott. Per, uh, so Peyto is basically going to have to replace their entire coaching staff, and it's a little interesting dynamic, you know, that KDISD decided to completely open the job up, and now they're going to have to replace their entire staff, most likely with yeah, as they move up the Class Six A. So uh, interesting, uh, interesting dynamics there. So we had, and I guess we might as well talk about Coach Gott moving to Pearland here. You know, this was we had uh, we had Coach uh, uh, Ricky Tullis on from uh, Bri- the new coach at Bryant. He was literally moving today um, on the show, and so congratulations he's, he's, to Coach Tullis on becoming the new uh, Bryant College Station uh, food scout for Dave Campbell's yeah, Texas football. Yeah, you know coach. what? I'm I'm glad I did some recruiting there. Um, Good job. So he he um so he takes a job at Bryant. Um, you know, no pressure, but they they do have a stadium named after a guy who who coached there, and he's not mm-hmm. even the winningest coach that's coached there. Uh, but anyway, um, so so he he moves over to Bryan. Pearland opens up. BJ Gott, the reigning state champion head coach from from Katie Pato, uh, decides to get in on that, and he gets the job at Pearland. Um, 
what what do you know about his interest in this job and 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 the, the decision to move there to leave a, a program that you know is a state a reigning state champion you just don't see that very often you know i haven't talked a ton to coach Gott about what made Pearland so attractive versus Peyto. i'm assuming uh Pearland's a two high school district katie is a nine high school district now i'm assuming mm-hmm. uh just from a pay standpoint less red tape to deal with um there's a lot more control at Pearland versus at Peyto. um so i think that's that's number one and also you know i think let's be honest you know it's gonna be a lot tougher for Peyto in that class 6a district now because they're they're gonna be bumping ahead i mean katie isd football is really really good not just mm-hmm. and it's not just Katie High, but now you know you got to deal with Tompkins. You got to deal with a vastly improved Cinco Ranch. Seven Lakes is always going to be in the mix. Um, it's a good district, and so just getting into the playoffs mm-hmm. is going to be a grind for for Pato. So I think he looks at that and looks at Pearland. They got a, a great young quarterback in Jackson Hamilton, the son of uh, Houston Texans offensive coordinator Pep Hamilton. And I think he looks at that and says, you know what, Pearland's got a lot of tradition. I think I can take this back to what it used to be under Tony Heath. Right. Yeah. And and by the way, you know, I'm I'm just throwing out there. It it seems right now I would not predict it, but Katie Pato moving up from five A Division One, they are not guaranteed to go Division Two. Um, they could like if the right team. I think it's unlikely. I think they'd be favored to go to Division Two. But if like Morton Ranch, if two of Morton Ranch, Taylor, Maid Creek, and Jordan get in, then they go D one. So. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think you know we, we kind of marveled at the fact that they were moving that that when they played in the state championship that they turned in they were playing with an enrollment of over thirty one hundred. Uh, well, that has consequences now, and and that's something yeah. that you know for Peyto, that's a, rent's coming due. It's a tough kick. Yeah, rent's coming due is a good way to put yeah. it. Um, okay, another state champion head coach on the move um, uh, at at Fort Worth Brewer. Flashback: It may even be in the Teppan Step. I don't know if the, this podcast existed when Todd Peterman left DeSoto. Uh, well, left is another word. Um, but he, he he also – he was no longer the coach of DeSoto. He ends up landing there at Brewer. Uh, he has departed now. Uh, he has resigned after four seasons. Uh, I would say that they were okay during his time there. Um, but what what do you know about about this and, and, and Brewer coming up, which I think is – Probably got because they're a pretty attractive job right now. Well, they, they promoted from within. They promoted uh, Peterman's top assistant, Jason Wheeler, to the job, I uh, believe, last week, right before spring break. So they've got the job filled. You know, I think it was, you know, Peterman, Coach Peterman, for all the good things that he does, he's a very, he's a math guy. So he's very black and white, very blunt. And I think at times that might maybe can rub some administrators the wrong way. And I, and I don't think mm-hmm. Pete, Coach Peterman pulls a lot of punches. Uh, in any kind of dealings with administrators. And I think maybe those relationships just got a little frayed and it was time for coach to, you know, move on down the road. But obviously they thought that highly of what he had done there because they, they, there was no doubt that they were going to promote from within. So, um, you know, clearly they thought the staff that he had built in the, the direction of the program was a good direction. I think, you know, it was just a mutual parting of ways. Yeah. Um, down to Laporte. Uh, Laporte has made a hire. Uh, they bring in Kevin Bernithi from Pasadena Adobe. Um, I, I, I've, I've thought that Coach Bernithi is one of the more underappreciated coaches in in the so, state. And what that's what 40 he's done under at, forty head coach Kevin Bernithi he was forty under forty um, in our in the magazine last year. And 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 let's let's remember that like he took over a, a Adobe program that like you know they were. 
I would say actually they're in a, de- a, a, a compare favorably to what Laporte is going through, which is a program that's mm-hmm. had success but was in a bit of a downturn. Mm-hmm. And now, mm-hmm. you know, he boy, the downturn ended when he showed up, and now mm-hmm. he's going to get an opportunity to kind of do kind of feels like the same thing there at Laporte and an opportunity to to, to make some noise like that. Yeah, I mean, he did a great job at Dolby going 33 and 10, uh, you know, in four years there. I mean, obviously, they, the playoff wins didn't come, but they they were playing North Shore to Tascalcita in the first round. That's mm-hmm. that's a challenge. Uh, but I think what he can do at Laporte is very similar. He, he's been at Laporte. He knows how things go at Laporte. I think his style of play will fit the personality of the, the Laporte. Laporte's kind of right there east of Houston, kind of gritty, kind of grimy, kind of blue collar. I think the wing tee being physical will fit uh, the Laporte system. And I think being in 5A Division One, moving over to Region 2, I think the district they're in um, is not – the, you know, the, it's Crosby's kind of a team to beat, but I think outside of Crosby and Port Arthur Memorial, I think you could take all those teams and kind of mix them up, and and there's not much difference. So I think that um, there's a there's a good chance that he can take do do very replicate very similar to what he did at Pasadena Derby, and maybe even exceed that because I think the playoff path is going to be a lot better uh, at Laporte mm-hmm. than it was at Derby. Yeah, I I entirely agree. Uh, I think that I think he's got a great opportunity to 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 make some noise there, especially early. You know, taking over that program there at Laporte, because you know the 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 talent didn't dry up in Laporte. You know what I mean? They're they've they've certainly they've always got a couple of cats down there, and he's gonna have an opportunity. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about a uh, a first year program that is um that has that has tipped some dominoes over. Let's start. It's Killing Chaparral. Killing Chaparral mm-hmm. is the new program there in that uh, in, in Killing ISD in Central Texas, and they went out and they hired Alan Hare to be their first ever head coach. Um, I Alan Hare, of course, was most recently at Salado. He's got great history at uh, at, at Lago Vista and, and, and stuff like that. Um, this is I would let's start with this. As a guy who is going to have to build a program from the ground up, you can do a whole lot worse than bringing in Alan Hare to be the architect to build this foundation. Yeah, he's he's won everywhere he's been. He's taken pro, you know, basically when he got to Lago Vista, that that program was in its infancy and had never done anything, and he took it and you know built it into a team that was a consistent playoff uh, a team, and obviously he's replicated that success uh, at Salado as well. So you know what, you know, Alan Hare runs the slot T. He's a slot T guy. Mm-hmm. I was talking to Joe Cluley about this at a basketball game when Mount Pleasant was in the regional basketball tournament because you know. I go to basketball games and I go sit with football coaches. Um, and we were talking, Coach Cluley actually coached with Coach Hare at Lago Vista. Did you know Coach Alan Hare, when he first got into coaching, was an air raid guy? What? <laughs> Alan Hare was a guy who threw it around 40 times a game. Dude, that that's like that is like you telling me like Mike Leach ran the wing tee. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He, like, he ran, according to Coach Cluley. When Alan Hare was a young assistant, and when he first got to Lago Vista as a head coach, he was—they were chunking it around, well, and he switched to the slot T. Well, I know what I am asking Coach Hare when next time I interview him. Yeah, isn't, um, that, isn't that amazing? That's that's that I, is amazing. I was like, I got, I've just always thought Coach Hare was a slot T guy. So we, we so Salado so, opens up. I'm Go surprised. They, I'm surprised they let him in the mafia, knowing that he was yeah, throwing the ball. I know. For. I'm surprised they let him in. That's yeah. They wonder you know. if he's wearing a wire. Mm-hmm. Um. But so let's talk a little bit about Salado opens up and they go and they hire Tom Westerberg 
Tom Westerberg, I mean, again, talk about going from one offense to another. Tom Westerberg, of course, the, the former state champion head coach at Allen. Um, this, this one was a head scratcher for me. And and I guess you can probably just boil it down to coach has got a coach. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, not, it's not a retire rehire thing. Because they changed the state of Texas kind of changed how that works where you have to be retired for a certain amount of time before you can get rehired and, and double dip. Uh, Coach Westerberg's going straight from one gig to another. And you look at it, he's going from being the athletic director at a three high school district to just being the head football coach at Salado. Because Salado has a separate athletic director. Mm-hmm. Clearly it's going to be a pay cut. Um, but I, I don't think at this point, I don't think money is really what drives Coach Westerberg. He's he's made it. He made let's let's yeah, he made big money at Barbers Hill. He made really yes. good money there at Barbers Hill. And he made good money this year. So his retirement is set. He's good. He's already got a place in Salado. He's from Salado. It's where he went to school. I believe his parents has got extended family there. So this is, I, I think this is one of those deals where I think this is Coach Westerberg's last job. And I think he wants just wants to go somewhere and have fun and just just enjoy coaching football. And I think this is, this is kind of one of those deals because coach Westerberg, you know, when he left, when he left, like when he was at Allen, he was kind of like Gary Joseph. Like he was one of those guys who I felt was almost unapproachable. And then when mm-hmm. he got to Barber's Hill, I was like, man, Westerberg's an awesome guy. I think mm-hmm. this is the pressure of the Allen job kind of got to him. And I, I, you got to see his real part. He's a great guy. He's got a great sense of humor, loves to joke around. So um, I think getting, I think this is one of those deals where I think he just wants to have fun and enjoy his last year or two uh, of coach. I, I think I think he's going to be at Salado four years tops before he either passes the baton off to someone else. So staying in kind of the central Texas area, this one kind of caught me by surprise too. Copper's Cove. Um, Copper's Cove, uh, the, the Jason Hammett is out after uh, – back-to-back one and nine seasons. They bring in uh, Dallas ISD's own Tony John- Kickslide. Yeah. Tony, jo- nice. Tony Johnson from WTO. This one called me – this one kind of blindsided me. And, and and you know, I mean, good on Copper's Cove for, for finding what I think is a, you know, a, a so-called, you know, a guy diving into not being afraid to hire a guy out of Dallas ISD because yeah. I think Tony Johnson knows what he's doing. Yeah, Coach Johnson's been around the block. He's coached at the college level. He's he's coached, you know, at, at South. He was at South Grand Prairie for a while as an assistant. He was at Duncanville as an assistant. He was on staff at TCU for a while there. He, he's he's got some connections, and he he's been you know he coached at Bottom for a few years as a head coach. So he's 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 done he's done done well for himself. And, and I think he was really excited when he called me about this job and told me that you know he was getting the job. And and I think it's a great opportunity for him to go into a place and try to rebuild. Uh, the mm-hmm. tradition there at Copper's Cove. I mean, there was a time in Copper's Cove was was one of the elite programs in Texas under Jack Welch, and, and they've really fallen on hard times recently. So it'll be interesting to see uh, if he can kind of restore that past glory of the Bulldogs. Speaking of re- re- uh, restoring past glory, um, Terry Ward has, is back at Tenaha. Uh It was weird because I read your article and it said Frankston High School Assistant, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess that's a way to describe him. Uh, last, <laughs> it, I mean, it's his last job. It is technically correct, uh, but Terry yeah. Ward, of course, was is probably best known for leading Tenaha to a state championship, and you know, coaching Reginald Davis there, uh, 2009 2014, led that title in 2011, and and yeah, it's. They're just going to run it back, and if it ain't, you know, why not? He he knows the program inside and out. So you know, this year I, I went to a Tenaha game. This year on a Saturday, they had a homecoming game, uh, Tenaha versus Combsneil, 
bro, you got to be going there to get there. Tenahaw is. Well, well the funny story is I out. stop off at, at, at boat. And I, I told our buddy Gabe Brooks a story, you know, and so because you drive right through Carthage to get to Tenahaw. Uh, Tenahaw is about 12 miles south of Carthage on Highway mm-hmm. 59. So I go out to, I, I go to Longview. I'm on my way out. I go, I go I-20 to 59 and I go out to Longview. And I stop off at Bodacious Barbecue on Marberly, the only one you should do. stop at. As you do. And I'm talking to the guy. He was, you know, he saw my Dave Campbell's Texas football thing. And so we were talking about the Lobos and stuff. And he goes, Oh, he goes, What are you doing out here? And I was like, Oh, I'm going going to Tenaha to watch a game. And he goes, It is in a classic East Texas voice, Tenaha. Man, you gotta be going to Tinny Hall to get to Tinny Hall. And I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. sir, you do. Cause yeah, it's one of them places you gotta be going to to get to. But the funny story was, is they were honoring Reginald David, that, that state championship team at halftime. It was homecoming for Tinaha. Tinaha, Tinaha plays their homecoming game on Saturday so that people from out of, you know, are, it's easier for people from mm-hmm. out of town to get to the game. Uh, and so, uh, they were honoring the team, and so Terry Ward was there because he was the coach of that team. And so I was talking to Terry Ward pregame. We were just chatting it up and everything, and he was telling me how special of a place Tenaha was, and you could just see what his feelings were about about the community and about the school at Tenaha. So it's not a huge surprise that he would jump at the opportunity to go back. Well, and they're they're going to be loaded too. I mean, they've got they're going to be a really good pro, a really good team that he's taking yeah. over. Uh, mm-hmm. By the way, can I make you feel old? Sure. I'm, I'm on Reginald Davis's Twitter, dude. He's married with three kids, three yeah, like yeah, beautiful, I, I like think, beautiful daughters. Like, and I'm like, yeah. oh my god, dude, that that, I think that, he that can't be. Lo- I think he lives in Lubbock and does real estate or something. Like, he's got like a like a. He's clearly more successful than me. So it is not. I I I can't I can't get over the fact that Reginald Davis. I know is like know. a father of three. Okay, I mean I guess you know you know eleven years ago we need to get him on the show. We're good. We're just we're just, um, we're just old. We're just washed. That's that boy. Ain't that the truth? Finally. Yeah. Um, this one is the most recent one we'll talk about. It came down uh, late last week. I got that one that I want to. I got one that I want to talk about after this. Okay, let's talk right. about let's talk about Blanco. Okay. Blanco has hired Vanderbilt Industrial head coach Jamie Dixon. Another one that really kind of caught me by surprise because uh, I I don't know maybe it's maybe it's just my conversations with Coach Dixon. And I know how much he loves industrial, and he penned a really really nice letter about how much he loved industrial and stuff like that. But he's moving on to Blanco to take over this program, and uh, I mean it's a great get for Blanco. It it just it just caught me by surprise. It was a guy that I was just like okay, well he's going to be he's going to be an industrial forever. You know, I think it was just one of those things where, where I, you know, I think Coach Dixon is kind of from around the Austin area. I mean, he was at Gidding, Giddings before he went to, to industrial. So mm-hmm. I, I wonder, and I haven't talked to Coach Dixon at, at length about what, what went into him taking the Blanco job. But Blanco is a really good job. It's a number one. It's a beautiful place to live. Like it is right in the hill country. It's gorgeous. It's a fast growing area. So you're kind of, you know, you're. Not not that far from Austin, not that far from San Antonio. You're kind of right there in the middle. Um, you know, I think it was just one of those deals, or maybe it was he just decided. I, my guess is he probably felt like there was he'd done all he could at industrial. I don't think he felt like he could take that program any further than mm. what he took them, which was to the quarterfinals. I mean, industrial before Jamie Dixon got there, industrial was kind of a laughing stock. And yeah. he got there and immediately turned them into a not only just a good team, but a great. I mean, 
back to back, you know, I think the last three years, third round, third round, fourth round. Like they're they're ranked in the top ten preseason. Industrial, the Cobras are were ranked, mm-hmm. you know, just not something you typically see. So I, I think my my guess is maybe he felt like he just redlined uh, industrial and just was looking for something new. Maybe yeah. he felt like somebody else could take it a little further, but uh, that's that's my guess. It's possible. It's very very possible. But uh, but that was that was that was the last one I had. What was what was the one you wanted to talk about? I want to talk about your alma mater. What a get for Capel bringing in Antonio <laughs> Wiley. Let's go, let's go, dude. Yes, great hire like, for Capel bringing in I, Antonio they, Wiley. They, they hire An- Antonio Wiley from Wichita Falls, Hershey, and I have been like. You need, any, any Coppel, the, you, need to have, you need to bring him in the studio. Dude, any Coppell people that like I've run into and like for example, we went to a couple of um like kids' birthday parties this weekend and like saw a number of people from Coppell and I just told them like, guys, Coppell like made one of the hires of the offseason. Like mm-hmm. they parted like because Antonio Wiley, it's it's I mean, that's a fantastic hire. He the is like making absolutely. And mm-hmm. and I it, it, I can't help but feel like Capel, like the stars aligned for a situation like this, in the sense that because of what's going on in Wichita Falls ISD, if you didn't know, they're taking they've got three schools right now: Old High, Ryder, and uh, and uh, Hershey. They're going to close all three of them in two years, and then they're going to open up uh, two brand new buildings. I want to uh, talk about the cons- situation too. I-, I have some hot takes on that. Turn three, turn three into two, and so mm-hmm. I think you know. Coach uh, Coach Wiley, who is got, building something incredible there at Hershey, probably looks around and goes, "I could probably, you know, he's he's got a family, and he's like, mm-hmm. I could probably use a little bit more stability. So why don't I go take this job here at a six A program in, in in DFW and grabs it? And I'm as a Coppell alum, uh, and I like I like Coach Mike Dewitt and and all those guys. That this has nothing to do with him. I'm like, man, Antonio Wiley fires me up, man. Yeah, and Coppell, our offices are located in Louisville, but I would say Coppell High School is probably the closest high school to our office. Would oh, you there's no doubt about. It. We can we can yeah. walk there pretty easily. Yeah. So um, I, I think I think it's uh, here after spring break. It might be time to have Coach Wiley in for TFT in, I in studio. Love it. Yes. Yeah. Now I'll say this about Wichita Falls Hershey. I. I don't think their their coaching search right now I, it's not being handled. I think as good as it could be done, mm-hmm. um, and here's why: you know, the, the because of the unique situation that Hershey is in, I think it's vital that they got a guy in quickly to take the reins of that program because of the school closing and po- because of what's going. So basically, both coordinators, the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator were interested in the job, but just didn't get any guarantees that they were going to get the job. Well, so now they've all, the whole, I mean, the offensive coordinator, Justin Crow, just recently got the Elysian Fields job mm-hmm. and their defensive coordinator, uh, Donald Smith is heading to Coppell with Coach Wiley. And a lot of the assistants are either going to Elysian Fields or Coppell. And so what's happened is you have a Hershey staff now that's been, I think of the 12 coaches, I think eight, eight are gone now. And so you have a, a skeleton staff trying to hold it together during the offseason with a school that's closing in two years. So I think the hiring process, bringing in a guy from the outside, I, although I think you will win because Hershey's got a ton of talent coming back and they're dropping down from Division One to Division Two, but I think the sales job of, of that new coach having to hire a staff is going to be really tough because you could only give those guys a two-year – your sales pitch is basically, hey, come here. We got to win a whole bunch in the next two years, and then try to go get another job. 
You know, yeah. so you're asking people to possibly move from out of town to Wichita Falls, and the only guarantee is, hey, I can only guarantee you this football season and next football season, and then after and, and after Christmas of 2023, we're probably all going to be leaving. So I think it was vital that Hershey got somebody in quickly and preferably got somebody in who was an internal hire. So I'm going to be real interested to see what the Wichita Falls ISD athletic department does because of this very unique situation that Hershey and the other Hershey finds themselves in needing a new head coach and only having two years to go. Yeah, it's um, it's it's a it's a strange situation for everybody involved. I know we've had conversation with Grant Freeman there at Wichita Falls at, at Old High. And like, you know, I'm sure Mark Bendel feels the same way of just like, you know, it's it's just a strange set of circumstances mm-hmm. up there. And I get why they're doing it, you know, like that they gotta do what's right for Wichita Falls ISD. Mm-hmm. And and I'm sure look, the, the school board is probably making decisions based on what's great what's good for the school district, you know what I mean? But like mm-hmm. football's a bit of a casualty here and, and at, at athletics is a bit of a casualty here. Uh, for a program, you know, which old highs playing better ball these days. Ryder, of course, has been a perennial contender, you know, there mm-hmm. for for a long time. And then Hershey came within basically like a play of play, playing for a title last yeah. year. And they just got so. done playing the the boys basketball state. Cha- they made the state championship game in boys yeah. basketball. Like their their exactly. athletic program is is playing great. So it's it's just an interesting deal and a unique situation. And I felt yeah. like I feel like WFISD probably could have moved a little quicker on this hire because the job's been open now for like a month. Yeah. And so really the moral of the story and the if there's one podcast you one one thing you take away from this podcast, it's uh Coppell did it, guys. Coppell did mm-hmm. it. That's right. Um all right. So there are some coaching changes, of course. We've got them all covered at TexasFootball.com. All right. Um step there's there's one thing. I I checked the mail yesterday and okay. um I got a letter and it's it's addressed to Tep and Step. So I thought what I would do, and I mentioned this, it's 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 actually it's postdated. It says okay. uh, March fifteenth, twenty twenty three, which is oh. uh, maybe it's just a maybe it's just a typo. Let me let me open this up. Opening, opening, opening up. Oh, no. well, this is interesting. Let me just read this. Hello, Teppen Step. My name is Hubert, and I am from the future. Hello, Hubert. Okay. Hello. Um, don't believe me. The Dallas Cowboys will disappoint in 2022. Wow. Um, okay. This, this that, guy. This guy's legit. Like mm-hmm. he is. He must be from the future. Wow. He, must he, be. he, he wrote a letter from the future. Uh, I'm a big Texas high school football fan and thought I'd tell you what happens in the 2022 season. Whoa. Dude, what a yeah. scoop here for Tep and Step. Yeah, We're gonna get to find out what happens here in in, in the you know, here. So let's let's continue reading here. Um, right. This this high production value. Um, oh well, this okay. So so he doesn't get into specifics here. It, it looks like he's written down five things that will happen in 2022. At least according to this guy, Hubert. Um, and but it, they're they're all kind of vague. So maybe okay. we can. Maybe we can try to decipher what he means. What, maybe we can try to see if, if we can figure out exactly what Hubert is talking about, which programs or, or people he's talking about. Okay, we'll, read between, we'll start read between the lines a little bit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We'll see if we can do it. Okay. okay. All right. The first one says, a first-year coach led his team to a state championship. A first-year coach led oh. his team to a state championship. Who could that it's be? Cl- it's clearly Ever- Everman head coach Michael Boone. 
clearly. Ah, uh, see, now <laughs> I think it's obviously Coppell head coach Antonio Wiley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, both of um, my honors have new head coaches this year. That's right. It's going to be exciting. They should play each other in non-district. Um, Actually, okay, so I'll, call the tep and step. Yeah, exactly. Actually, I'm going to go uh, – this is really easy. Um, I'm going to go chalk here. Uh, Tony Salazar at Austin Westlake seems like a pretty decent bet to me. Okay. That's that seems like the a, a good move. It seems like he could, you know, he's inheriting a team that's won three consecutive titles. Uh they've won 40 games in a row. Mm-hmm. Um now they have a little bit of rebuilding to do. They I mean, they need a quarterback and when has Westlake ever had a quarterback? I know. Um weird. Uh but they do bring back Jaden Greathouse. Uh they've got a couple of other people and you know the defense is going to be in good hands with coach Salazar. Oh, yeah. That's pretty easy. I'll go a little off the board. Okay. Um uh, and, and obviously there are some there are some landmines to get to get through. But um, what about Greg Pearson at Wascom? Could I interest you in Greg Pearson at Wascom? Okay. Okay. Um, this is a you know this is a program that went thirteen two as a state semifinalist last year and gave remember gave Franklin their uh, toughest game. I, I, I yeah, yeah, just as tough I, if not tougher than Gunner. Yeah, exactly right. And so, and they bring back a fair amount from from this year. You know, Coach Pearson is a guy who who does you know first year first year head coach there at Wascom, but hardly a stranger to success. And so, yeah, I think I think could be I think Hubert may be talking about uh, Wascom here when he talks about a first year head coach leading his team to a state championship. All right, so let me let's you know, let me pick up the letter again. Um, okay, a team found out the hard way that moving up in realignment is really tough. Okay, so he's talking about a team that made a that moved up a division or a classification mm-hmm. that uh, that maybe struggled a little bit along the way. Who who do you think he might be talking about? Uh, I'll go to I'll go actually three, and they're all three moving Ooh. from five A five A Division two to six A. Mm. Crazy huh. jump there, but uh, Prosper Rock Hill, thoughts and prayers. Yeah, uh, Roy City in North Forty. I think all three. <laughs> That double jump to 6A from 5A D2 is – Denton Braswell made it a couple of years ago, and we haven't really talked about Denton Braswell the last couple of years, and I think mm-hmm. we're looking at the same thing with, with those three. All right. I'm going to go a little bit – I'm going to go a different direction, um, and maybe it's because of not only them moving up classification or division rather, but also uh, the fact that they are moving into, I think, a, a tougher region. Uh, and let's talk about Crosby. Crosby has had a fantastic year the past couple of years. Of course, played for a title in 2020. They're a state semifinalist last year. Um, but I think moving up to 5A Division One is going to be pretty tough. They're going to have a little bit of rebuilding to do. Reloading, let's be honest, of Coach Jerry Prieto's squad. Furthermore, they're getting thrown into Region 2. Now, Region 2 of 5A Division One is not what it once was, right? Den Ryan is gone. They've moved College Station out, things like that. Magnolia West, AM Consolidated, etc. But... They are going to have to deal with Longview, who I know we've got pretty high hopes for. Um, the Timberview is now in their own in their own uh, region. Uh, Frisco Lone Star, uh, Wakeland, uh, Lancaster. Um, it's a brutal region there in 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 five yeah, A Division One Region Two, and so I could see Crosby having a little bit of growing pains uh, moving up a division, uh, moving up a division. Okay, so uh, that's what we think Hubert's talking about. Okay, let's see. A first-year UIL program surprised everyone. Okay, so a program that playing in their first UIL season. Uh, mm-hmm. Who do you think he's talking about? Lake Belton. I think Lake Belton is going to be a playoff team in 2022. Year wow, one. really? Mm-hmm. 
Okay, well, I mean, they did go, correct me if I'm wrong, they were undefeated in their kind of, it's not quite JV, it's kind of like the outlaw schedule mm-hmm, they put together. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Uh, um, okay, that's that's a pretty good one. I, you know, we're big believers in Brian Cope. I think that's a good one. I will go, I'll go a different way. I'm going to go with San Antonio Piper. Now, okay. we won't call him, by the way, are we calling them Kamal Piper or San Antonio? I think we're calling him San Antonio, right? I'm, I'm calling him San Antonio Piper. Um, cause the, cause the problem is that the, um, uh, the, the UIL calls them Comal. It's Comal Piper and Comal Davenport. And I'm like, I'm mm-hmm. never going to remember that. No. So it's just Santo Piper. Um, I think Piper is a playoff team. Um, I think you take a look at, at their draw. They're in, uh, you know, uh, w- the kind of getting dropped in there with the, the Liberty Hill district and, and things like that. Um, uh, but I think, I think they're a team that can, that can immediately, you know, contend for a playoff spot. I think mm-hmm. that that they're that you look at that district, um, you know, Liberty Hill, I I don't think I'm going on a limb here when I say that I think Liberty Hill is going to be the favorite to win the district. But then, you know, you look beyond that and you're like, okay, they were a team that went 6 and 4 in their own kind of rogue schedule. Uh, San Antonio Veterans Memorial figures to be pretty good. Mm-hmm. I would but, say Vets is the is the, 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 the favorite for the two spot but i think after that i think spots yeah. three and three and four are pretty up for grabs they're wide open and if they could just kind of kind of put it all together there in their first varsity season i think they could be the team that that hubert mm-hmm. says is going to be surprising us all right uh let's see let me get this piece of paper out for the production value um all right a district got all four teams into the regional semifinals Okay, so they swept through the first two rounds, and we mm-hmm. got, and we've seen this before in the past of, of mm-hmm. districts that uh, get all four teams through to the third round of the playoffs. We're obviously talking. Uh, I mean, it could be six A, but I think it's probably more likely that it's under six A. My opinion. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So what? Which district do you think got all four teams into the regional semifinals? This is tough because the last time it happened, I believe, was with. Uh, the Canadian Childress district a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was Canadian Childress and Friona and Spearman uh, all did it. But I'm actually going to go with the 6A district. Uh, I'm going to go 29-6A, mm. San Antonio area. Uh, because Ooh. on that side of the bracket, they're paired off with the with the Rio Grande Valley schools, which the Rio Grande Valley in 6A was, was significantly weakened with Harlington South, Vela, and PSJ North dropping down to class 5a so i think and for my for my money you got brennan you got stevens you got taft you got warren you got harlan mm-hmm. all teams i think that you could see a sweep of 29 6a getting through all four teams to the regional semifinals in that, okay. in that on that on that side of the region four bracket in 6a all right i'm gonna go to 4a i'm gonna go okay. 4a division two district three 4a division two Hershey, Snyder, Graham, Sweetwater, and Greenwood. Um, I'll be honest. I think those are – if you want to say that those are the five best teams in that region, I wouldn't fight you too hard on it. Mm -hmm. Um, Glen Rose might have something to say about it. Um, Monahans might have something to say about it. Maybe a team like Fort Stockton. But – those five teams, I think that is the pretty clear power nexus of Region One in Four A Division Two, is the is the District Three, the Hershey, mm-hmm. Snyder, Graham, Sweetwater, Greenwood, and it I would not surprise it would not surprise me at all district. if they all got through. 
Yeah, it's a good, it's a good be, district, and I think the setup is, is very optimal mm-hmm. for that. I think I had number gonna, two, a number two choice. That was going to be my yeah. number two choice. Well, let's put it this way: I think they're all going to be favored in first round playoff matches against district. I mean, the the only one would be like whoever finishes fourth is probably getting Glen Rose in the first round. If they That'd win that, tough. if they win that, I think they're going to get through the regional semifinals because I think they're going to be they're going to be favored over the whoever comes out of district one and two. All right, last one here from from Hubert. I got to get my. It's definitely not a target receipt that I'm crumpling up into the microphone. Um, all right. A team made it to its first ever state championship game. Wow. Okay. It's made it to its first ever state championship game. Not one, but said it made it to its first ever state championship game. Matt That's Steph, who do you who do you think Hubert from the future? Uh, definitely not a character we made up of for the sake of this <laughs> podcast content. Yeah, who do you think he's talking about? I really struggled with this one because I was like every team that I was looking at that I I, like, I would go look on the UIL archives and they've at least been to a state championship. They made game it in like 1974 mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. lost yep. or something. Yeah. Uh, so my guess is the Coleman Blue Cats in District 5 to a Division well, 1. Okay. And here's why. Coleman is moving from Region 1 to Region 2 and Region mm-hmm. 2 – and 2A Division One is significantly le- fewer landmines than in Region 1. The team that knocked Coleman out of the playoffs last year was the Holly Bearcats, who played for the state championship last year. And mm-hmm. Coleman, that game was a it was 21-7. Holly scored late to kind of put it away, but it was a very competitive game. I was at that game. It was a great ball game on a cold night uh, at Aveline Wiley. Uh, so Coleman moves away from Holly into Region 2. Still got to deal with Marlin. And that's going to be a challenge, but yes. I think if I had to pick one, you know, I, I I would say the Coleman Blue Cats. But it's going to be tough. I mean, it's I just could not find a team that I thought really had a legitimate shot playing for a state championship that hadn't already been to one. All right, Unless I got I missed two. A really obvious one, but that, that's I don't, my, think, Coleman, I don't think I don't think there's Blue an Cats. obvious one. I'll say this: I don't think there's an obvious one. But I got two that I think Hubert could be talking about. The first is Mount Vernon. Mount Vernon. They've been knocking on the door. They've been knocking on the door. They've been state semifinalists the last two years. And, dude, there may not be a team in the state that brings back the kind of offensive firepower that they bring back. Like, Mm -hmm. between – they got a 2,000-yard rusher, a 3,700-yard passer, and a 950-yard receiver all coming back at the skill position spots. Like, plus you're talking about – I guess it's a a second year under Coach Brad Willard – I think they are loaded for bear. And really, on that left, they're coming out of Region 2, and so they'd have to get past, you know, Malakoff and West and, and, and Gladewater. But then they'd probably see, like, a Brock maybe in a semifinal, if, you know, if Brock can kind of keep it all together and stuff like that, uh, or maybe a Jim Ned. But, man, I think Mount Vernon could be that team. The other one that sprung to mind uh, here as I was just – thinking about Mount, it Mount Vernon's a really good one Mount Vernon, uh, that's a really good one the other one for me is Tempson um, another team that's been knocking on the door mm-hmm. another team that came within a you know came came within a whisker this past year you know they they were the team that played Shiner the toughest um, in, in 2A Division 1 um, absolutely this is a team that brings back that guy and Terry Bussey um, at the 2A Division 1 level have we got their uh, questionnaire think, in yet let me see. Did we get? Did we get uh, Yes, we do. We got it in. I think we got it in this week. Yeah. Okay. Or no, we got back in back in, in the the first week. Coach Coach Thurwanger is is on it. Um, 
And and yeah, they bring back five on offense and seven on defense. Um, I mean, Offensive they're going to be going to be yeah. I, I remember coach talking to Coach Thurwanger after their regional final win over Centerville, and basically, I think the biggest concern was yeah. going to be. Offensive line. They, if they can figure out the offensive line, they're going to be really good everywhere else. So. I mean, look the, the 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 argument against Timpson is they got to win the semifinal, which is a great argument. Whether it's Shiner or Refurio or whoever it is, and like Mason, they, they're got I mean, to region region four yeah. has dominated region three. Yeah, it absolutely has. They got to get past that, but it could be them if you're if you're talking about a team that that could break through and make their first ever title game. It could be Thompson. So, so there you go. Thank you, thank you for this letter from the future, Hubert. Appreciate you, Hubert. Um, Hubert. I I wonder if next March we're going to get a very similar letter from Hubert uh, that would uh, cause us to uh, to do a very similar segment here in the doldrums of March. <laughs> I mean, and it's not going to be a real. We might do it in February because it's not going to be a real. We might do. Here. We might we might get a bunch of letters from Hubert. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, okay, there you go. Um, do you have anything else to say before we will do, we'll do another podcast in, in April. Yeah. Um, it's, it's March 15th and it's snowing right now in Canada. I'm in Canada, by the way. It's, yeah. I, I put that video in the, in the Slack and, uh, yeah, not great. It's no, not quite, terrible. not quite spring up here yet, but, no. uh, yeah, I'll um, be, uh, we'll be doing, we'll do the next podcast in April and I'll still be in Canada, but I will be yeah. back in mid May to go out and watch some seven on seven. Because the man loves him some football. I do. Um, and you obviously do too, valued listener, because you listened to Tap and Step. We do thank you for being a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. Step, thanks for your courage. Thank you. How do you guys next time on Tap and Step?